This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hello and welcome to the Money Nerds podcast, where owning a calculator, budgeting your money, and having a net worth is actually cool. I'm your host, Whitney Hansen, and each week I'll be chatting with inspiring people to learn their secrets to financial success. Now let's dive into the show. I love talking about careers and how to help you make more money in your job. I think it's such an important piece of your personal finances. So I was really excited to chat with today's guest all about career advice and clarity and life audits. This is something that I appreciate too. Anytime we can be reflective, I think it's always a good thing. Now, recently I started going through a book called Unstoppable and I really loved everything about it. I thought it was an interesting read. I thought it had some really great points. So of course I reached out to the author and asked if she would come on the show. And I was so grateful that she is on the show, sharing her wisdom, a little bit about careers and all of that fun stuff. So let's talk about who Tracy Tim is. Tracy Tim's the founder of Nth Degree Career Academy, the proven career clarity system that helps high potential professionals discover, define, and drive careers they love. Tracy has her degree in behavior psychology from Yale University, and she studied design thinking with a founder of D School at Stanford University. Tracy left a successful but unsatisfying career in finance, traveled once around the world on semester at sea and discovered her ideal career. For more than five years, she applied the lessons in her career advisory work with hundreds of individuals and over 100 fast-growing companies. Tracy currently lives in Dallas, Texas. So in this episode, we cover a lot of ground. We talk about that quarter-life crisis she had while selling stocks and bonds on Wall Street, dealing with societal pressure in our careers. This is something I think we can all relate to. Why people tend to choose comfort over happiness how to mentally prepare for making a significant career or life change, using a personal life audit and identifying your core values, how to get past the I won't make as much money dilemma that we sometimes have when we think about new careers, taking an entire life perspective on your career choices, why the tolerable job is so detrimental to our lives. This is so important to pay attention to, so I think you guys are gonna love that segment. The power of regret taking tangible initiative to make life changes that you dream of, and why on top of that initiative, you need clarity around other options. We also dive into how you will never feel completely ready and how to get past that. I think you guys are going to enjoy this episode. I know it was definitely one that I really appreciated and I learned a lot from Tracy as well. So let's go ahead and dive into today's conversation with Tracy Tam. But before we do that, I have to say thank you so much to our sponsor that is actually helping. Sponsors are important. I don't know if you know this, but creating a podcast, it's a lot of work a lot of time, a lot of energy, and sponsors really help make this a thing that I can keep doing. So it's really great. And I'm really excited to share today's sponsor with you. There's a lot of pressure on small businesses to hire the right person, because when you're a small business, 
your team is usually pretty tiny, right? One wrong move can actually hurt your entire company. And that's why I'm really excited to tell you about Indeed. I've been talking about Indeed for a little bit now. You guys know it's such a powerful tool, especially for people that are trying to find quality candidates, because let's be real, historically hiring can be a huge pain in the butt, but not in today's world when there's really amazing companies like Indeed. Indeed.com is a hiring site that helps you find quality candidates with Indeed Instant Match. This is the coolest thing, you guys. Indeed searches through millions of resumes in their database to help you show great candidates instantly. So you're only seeing the people that are actually relevant to your job. So you can do the part you really need to do faster, which is meeting and hiring great people. Unlike some hiring sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility, delivering a quality shortlist faster. With Indeed, there's no long-term contracts whatsoever. You can pause your account at any time and you only pay for what you need. With Instant Match, you see a list of really great candidates with zero weight. And Indeed delivers four times more hires than all other job sites combined according to Talent Nest. Want your quality shortlist fast? Then you need Indeed. Right now, our listeners get a free $75 credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash money nerds. This is Indeed's best offer available anywhere. Get a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash money nerds. Indeed.com slash money nerds. This offer is valid through March 31st. Terms and conditions apply. All right, now back to the show. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode. Today, I am so excited to be joined by a career coach, Tracy Tim. Tracy, thank you so much for hanging out. Yay! I'm so excited to have this chat with you. I um deep breath because of technology issues, right? But I'm <laughs> super pumped. You know, everybody's been there. Uh, and yes. yeah, we're going to have a lot of fun today. I am so excited. So I want to start the conversation by really diving into this moment you had when you were 25 and you hit kind of this midlife, quarter life crisis, whatever you want to call it. Tell us a little bit about what was going on in your life at that time. So yeah, I mean, to give a little context too, I'm an only child. I'd always been sort of this like massive overachiever need to be, you know, first chair, all A's varsity athletics, yada, yada, yada. So, um, of course I ended up going to Yale because like, where do overachievers go to get humbled? Ivy league schools. So, uh, (laughs) that was really an, an incredible experience because I got to study, um, well, I'm a huge nerd. So I got to study something I loved, um, which was everything that was fascinating. And that ended up being people. So I majored in psychology, which was really interesting to learn about, but didn't necessarily lead me into a field of, of work, if that makes sense. Like I knew I didn't want to be a counselor. I knew I didn't want to be a psychiatrist. I, I knew I didn't want to be a sports counselor or therapist or whatever. So I had no idea what I wanted to do after college. So when I was 25, where I found myself was actually the first job I ever got out of college, which was uh, working on wall street where I was spending 12 hours a day sitting on a trading floor, selling, uh, bonds and loans, high yield, you know, like poorly credited bonds and loans to, um, institutional investors and hedge funds and portfolio managers. And Hey, guess what? They don't really teach you any of that in, in a psychology major. So, uh, (laughs) you know, after two and a half years of, of really, truly, I just discovered this quote and I don't think there's any other depiction that I've ever heard of. Um, but it's Einstein and he says, um, everyone is a genius, but if you judge a fish by its ability to climb a tree, then it will live its whole life feeling stupid. And looking back at my 25 year old self, I was 100% 100% the hardest headed fish 
ever. And Wall Street was this massive red oak tree. And I was like, if I just work a little harder, if I just spend a little more time, if I just drink (laughs) a little more, if I'm more one of the guys, if, you know, whatever it was, right, it'll get better. And it was not getting better. Mm. By the time I had sort of my little epiphany that I wrote about in the book, um, I was not in a healthy place mentally. I was not in a great, healthy place physically. But I had the trappings of like what looked like a really great life. I was going across. CrossFit. I had really incredible friends. I had a great apartment with a roommate. You know, I had an expense account. I got to travel. Like I had, I had, I was making six figures, you know, well before that, like everything looked great on paper, but when I was totally honest with myself and I was totally honest with like my roommate and that was about it. Um, I was absolutely abjectly miserable and that is not an overstatement. I Hmm. was not a happy person. And, um, and yeah, it, it, I had, Unfortunately for some of us, and this is probably like the majority of us, we have to get to that like super low place to actually make a change. Um, Cause up until then I was like, Oh, just grit through it. You know? Just <laughs> yeah. I think <laughs> and, we've all been there. Um, you know, I laugh now, but what what's really fascinating when you're doing that is that you don't see how that's actually negatively, not only impacting you and your health and your well being, but actually not allowing you to be the best at your job. So like long terms, not a sustainable solution. So yeah, unfortunately my mind was pretty messed up at that point And I was, I was pretty unhappy. Do you think you knew that from day one or was this something that you had to come to that realization <laughs> later? Okay. So I had the inclination day one that I was Ah. like, Oh dear, what did I get myself into? Um, I had this one really amazing friend when I had a couple of really amazing friends, but this one who was very outspoken our senior year, who was like, listen, I don't, you're not going to want to hear this, but I don't think you're going to like it there. And I was Mm. like, can't you just be happy for me? You know, can't you just be a supportive friend? Like, aren't you just excited? I got a job and look what it's going to pay me and yada, yada, yada. Totally. And then I get there day one and I was like, oh shit, she was right. Like this is, (laughs) this is not a good combo here, but I think at least in my experience and, and with a lot of the clients that I've, that we've had the opportunity to work with as a business now, I think realizations come in waves. So Mm. like realization one is, oh God, something might be wrong here, but you bat it down, right? You're like, oh, but I'm not allowed to think that, or it's too early, or this is premature or whatever. And then like three months go by and you're like, it's not any better. (laughs) Totally. Okay. But I'm super not ready to to entertain that thought. So I'm going to bat it back down again, right? It's this like play we do with cognitive dissonance where you can't hold a belief and uh, an action at the same time that don't go together. Like your brain will just freak out. So if you really think something's wrong and you're not in the right place, but you're not planning on leaving anytime Mm. soon, you have to convince yourself that it's actually better than you think it is until you're ready to go. Right. Or like our body, that's, it was one of my favorite psychological concepts. Like our body and our mind have to be um, in, you know, in congruence with one another to actually have a sustainable path forward. Mm -hmm. And until they are, we either change our beliefs conveniently, or we change our actions. Right. And, and I at 22 was like, not about to quit a job that I was making crazy money and got a signing. You know what I mean? Like, especially when everybody at Yale anyway, was like beating down the door to get these jobs. You know, I felt like one of the chosen ones and really lucky to get this thing that I didn't want, which is super backwards. And that's what I think a lot of us do right out of college, especially when we're in those really high pressure environments or I was an only child. So I felt it certainly didn't come from my parents. It came from my own anxiety that I needed to take care of myself and then pay them back and make this great way in the world and do it all on my own. And, and so of course that meant 
taking what other people were saying was the, the perfect definition of a successful outcome from a Yale education and just going to do that thing. So, mm. you know, I was on the conveyor belt for a little while, as they say. I've been there before too, my friend. <laughs> I get did, it. Did not serve. Did not serve. Yeah. How long did you last in that career? Two. Okay. So I say two and a half years, and I think it's roughly that. It's like I started yeah. August of 2010 and I left mid-December of 2012. So it's like two plus. Yeah. Pretty good. I made it through my analyst ship. I got promoted to an associate and then I went a little crazy and then, <laughs> and, then I, and then I quit uh, really without a plan, which I don't recommend. Um, but that's what happens sometimes when you let yourself yes. get that miserable is that you have to make a change for your own well-being. And unfortunately mm-hmm. that takes you out of the driver's seat, right. Of having any sort of semblance so of control. So freaking true. Which is why I caution people all the time. I'm like, I know you're not miserable enough to be at that decision-making point, but do yourself a favor and make the decision now before the decision is taken away from you, which is where Mm -hmm. you're headed if you're so miserable that either you can't do your job well and you get fired, which is the worst of it, or you you can't function and so you have to quit and then you're you're on your heels. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Totally and makes you're sense. Just no longer in, in sort of any semblance of control of what's going on. So that was Love my that. first, I, I'm like dropping my head onto my microphone right now, but that was, that was what I did. I was <laughs> that was the moment. You know? I didn't, I didn't know what I didn't know. And unfortunately what I think worked in my favor was I'm not the kind of person who can be miserable for very long mm. and, and be okay with it. Whereas I think some people are more long suffering. They go like yeah. five, 10, 20, 30, 40 years into a career. And they're like, I never really liked it. Or yeah, I was kind of miserable the whole time. So true. And I don't know how they do it. Why do you think they do it? I mean, you've got a background in psych too. So you, yeah. I'm sure you understand a little bit of that. So I was, reading a, I was reading a <laughs> book last night that, that put it really plainly, which is we tend towards comfort. For sure. And it's it's sort of the proverbial comfort zone thing, right? So, and we tend towards comfort so deeply that we can make even the uncomfortable comfortable once it's familiar. Mm. So if you've been somewhere long enough, even though you're not happy there, it's the known, right? It's known quantity. It's what you feel comfortable with because you're familiar with it. So the temptation then becomes, well, to, to start this, this line of thinking, which I hear one out of every five people I talk to who are entertaining, working with us, they say, well, if I leave, like, what if nothing is any better? And I just wish that I had never left, you know, like they're really, I know it's terrifying. It's like this, uh, one of my bosses that I had on wall street, he's like, listen, Tracy, I know you might not be happy and you think the grass is greener somewhere else, but I'm here to tell you the grass is shit Brown everywhere you look. (laughs) like, Oh God, like, like I'm, only, I'm only 24. Like that's pretty bleak. You know what I mean? So <laughs> for but sure it, it's, I don't think that's true, but I do think that that's the mentality you grow into. If you've allowed yourself to be miserable long enough and you haven't tested your comfort zone mm. in a long time. Right. So I think psychologically speaking, we, we get into ruts and we get comfortable even with our less than ideal circumstances, just because it's what we're used to. I I used to call it like, uh, so for women, you guys will totally get this reference. And for men, you're, you're like, I don't know. You know how you go to a nail salon and the minute you walk in, it's just like acetone, just like hits you in the face and you can almost like not breathe. It's sort of like walking into a Starbucks. Like you remember old school when you'd walk into a Starbucks (laughs) and you're like, oh my God, this coffee smell is absurd. They clearly 
really burnt it. This is very offensive to my nose, right? But when you're in there for an hour working or you've stood in line long enough or you're getting your nails done, like the smell goes away. We just get like our bodies are so good at adapting Mm -hmm. to circumstances that we turn senses off to focus on other things. You know what I mean? It's like, you know, have you ever noticed how you don't feel your clothes? Like, this is my favorite thing we learned. It's like, they were like, you notice that it's, it's the weird, like they're touching your body all day, but we turn those. But if someone came around and touched your arm, you'd feel it. Right. Right. We turn the mechanisms off that we don't need Hmm. so that we can attune to other stuff. And that's why we get super comfortable with things because you you turn your sort of offensive smell off because you've got you've gotten used to it. You turn that sort of acetone, you know, thing off because you've gotten used to it. It's exactly what happens in careers. It's just we get cozy and, and the idea of making any change becomes more and more daunting the longer that you let that last. So if somebody's in a sitch where they are looking at their life and they're, they're furiously head nodding, they're like, yes, Tracy, I feel this. This is my life. Like (laughs) I too, (laughs) you know what I mean? Like we're like, yeah, I get it. So if they're in that situation and they're not to the point where they are ready to jump ship, so they've got a little bit of a leeway, a window period. Yeah. What should they be doing during that time? Okay. So this is a really powerful, there are a couple things I would say. Think really deeply about how much longer you can stay where you are without going crazy. Mm. Like what's that number where you look into the future and you're like, oh my God, if I'm here six months from now, what is it six months from now? Right now, you know, as of this taping, it's March. So that's going to be late summer, Mm -hmm. early fall. Can you actually see yourself where you are six months from now without having lost your ever loving mind? Right. If you're like, yeah, I guess, you know, I could. Or if you're like, oh dear, if that happens, something catastrophic is going to be wrong with my body, my, my marriage, Mm -hmm. my friendships, my whatever. Right. Then set that as a date. Give yourself a deadline for when you want to be out Mm -hmm. of the negative, toxic, miserable, whatever situation that you're in without deadlines, we could just go, you know, three months just like goes by it's March, like Like, the blink of an eye. It's crazy. Well, you know, and honestly like 2020 and 2021 may not be great representations of that. However, (laughs) all of a sudden it's the first week in March and I'm like, Oh my God, we just, we just started Lent. When did, when did, when did Mardi Gras happen? Like what? It's just, it all goes. And without, foresight and forethought into where we're going and clear intentions of what we want to do, then time just goes by, right? Like it, it's not stopping just because you don't know what you want to do. Mm-hmm. And it's not going to give you any leeway just because you don't have clarity. So set a date would, would be my very first piece of advice. Like okay. six months from now, it will be unacceptable for me to be where I am and not have made any strides forward. Mm-hmm. And then dial back to today. I think the very first thing that we can do to arm ourselves with conviction is, is between, right. So you set a date. So between now and that date, you need to grow into the conviction that it's the right time to make a move, right? That this is no longer sustainable. This is no longer. Okay. I'm not going to stand for this anymore. Mm -hmm. I think the best way to do that is two exercises. Number one is to do an audit of your life. So literally I have this exercise we walk clients through where we, we have like eight core areas of your life. You've got your social life, your physical life, your financial life, your, um, professional life. You know, there, there's, there's eight of them that we walk people through. Imagine just the core components of your life, your spiritual Mm -hmm. life, your intellectual life, your environment, right? So kind of more of a holistic view. Exactly. Because your job is only one part. 
But here's the thing. When you're really unhappy yeah. at your job, it just has this oozing effect into the rest of your life. Sure. So then I want you to look at each of those core components and ask yourself objectively, like what's going well? What do I have like foundationally that doesn't suck? So like 25-year-old Tracy, I had a great supportive group of friends who were like, you know what? If you ended up homeless, you could sleep on my couch. Like that was awesome. great. I had this, I'd squirreled away a bunch of money because like all my friends were like, let's go to Nobu. And I was like, I'm going to get a Trader Joe's $3 salad and meet you after, you know, like, <laughs> no doubt. Good for you though. <laughs> so I, well, because I knew, I think deep in my sort of lizard brain, like this is not a sustainable situation. So maybe mm -hmm. you should prepare. So I had squirreled away a bunch of money and savings that wasn't in my 401k. So I had a nice little nest egg, which was great. And then I happened to be, um, a born and raised Catholic. So I had a really robust spiritual life. So I, mm -hmm. I at least felt like I had my kind of faith life in order. And, and at the end of the day, I trusted that if I quit, like, you know, he will provide blah, blah, right. In, in so much as I was willing to do my part as well, which, which was largely leaving, right. Cause right. nothing changes if you, if you don't, start to change it. So, so I had a handful of things going really well for me. However, I could see very clearly how this misery in my job was oozing into those friendships and sort of yeah. cracking it. Like, like I, some of my best friends were like, will you just shut up about work already? Or like, will you just, we just quit. If you're really, when you know, just quit. <laughs> that's when, you know, it's when your best, when your roommate is like, I can't listen to you complain anymore. When all the two of you ever do is complain. Right. Mm -hmm. So, uh, so, so the audit thing is really powerful because it's going to help you see the deeper effects of this one component of your life, but it's also going to give you a little bit of hope, right? Because every single person I've ever worked with, even the ones who look hopeless, mm -hmm. have something. They have a family member. They have a nest egg. They have a spiritual practice. They have a social life that's robust. They have... Um, really, really healthy lifestyle. They have a great mental practice. They have something that's foundational that's going to get them to move forward. Mm -hmm. So it's not dire, but you do get to see how the the ripple effects of your of your misery are, are sinking into the other parts of your life. They really are. The second thing that I would recommend is get back to the basics of your core values because it's nine times out of 10, the reason that people are unhappy at their job is because they're living and working out of alignment with what matters, period. And they've succumbed to this, I don't know, falsehood, I think, that is perpetuated in the United States that are, we have to work our lives around our jobs as opposed to find a career 100%. that facilitates a job, facilitates a life that you actually like. Yep. You know what I mean? Like I do. if you're not a morning person and you're working on wall street and you have to be there at 6am every day and you hate your life and you go to bed and like literally my roommate and I would watch as the sun went down and like wait until it was just below the <laughs> horizon and like run to bed at 915, you know, when it was like the middle of the summer, if that's not you, it's not very sustainable and it's going to cause misery over the long haul. So figure out what your core values are is, the, is step two and, and do this really honestly. Like do, I, I call this like the 10, 20, 30 brainstorm exercise for your core values for 10 mm -hmm. minutes. You just sit and you think about what comes to mind when you think about what brings you joy, what matters to you? What do you, what do you value deeply? Who are you in the world? What do you stand for? Right. And just brain dump. Then for 20 minutes, go and find online a list of core values. I usually just go to corevalueslist.com, literally. There are 500 value-based words there. And I read them. And anything that resonates, I add it to the previous list. Oh, so cool. that takes 30 minutes total. Then what you want to do is take your 50, 100, 150, whatever terms that you've come up with in 30 mm -hmm. minutes and spend another 30 minutes categorizing them. 
Because what's going to happen is you're going to resonate with similar terminology that actually speaks to one core value. Does that make sense? Totally so you does. may have like thriving and longevity and health and wellness and strength and fitness or whatever. All of that is probably one value around you value your body and being healthy and, and being um, fit and like present in the world and having longevity and all that jazz. So you mm -hmm. get to bundle all those words together and then pick a name for them. Like this year, that was one of my core values because I've been unfortunately neglecting my physical well girl saying for a couple of years. <laughs> I feel it. Yep. Business life. Like, the person who made up the COVID-19 joke of like, it's when you, you know, freshman 15, that's the COVID-19. Yeah. I'm like, yes, that happened. It's, it does. It, it totally it's here, does. but I would like it to not be here to stay. So, uh, <laughs> so that was one of my values this year. And, and what's cool is you give it a name that like resonates with you. So mine is lively longevity. I want to actually have a body that sustains all the things I want to go do in the mm, world. And so if I don't cool. take care of it, then I can't do any of that other stuff. Right. That's why it's actually my number two core value this year, as opposed to like number 10. So all that to say that if, if you have your set date and then you work backwards to today, if you do a life audit and you figure out your core values, then what you can give yourself is more conviction around why it's necessary to make a move now. Mm. Because we're, you're going to see so clearly, oh my God, my job is out of alignment with four of my top five core values, which happen to be family or integrity or contribution to the world or whatever. Mm -hmm. And it turns out over here, we, I, you know, I sell bullets under the table to, with no integrity and I'm never with my family and whatever. Well, now you have a really clear picture of what's not working. Mm -hmm. And I find that in the absence of sort of like blind faith and conviction and confidence, if I have data, if I have tangible facts that show me where I'm in and out of alignment and what this is doing to my life, yep. then I can be like, okay, intellectual self, <laughs> is this sustainable or is it not? And if it's not, now you finally have the data and hopefully more conviction and confidence to actually make a change. It that's makes so start. much sense. I think that's a really great place to start too. And I know I it's talk so with practical. a lot of people, like yeah. it's the easiest thing. It, it requires a little bit of time, but it really opens your eyes into where you're maybe going wrong. Mm -hmm. I can see a lot of people that when they do this exercise, they're going to find that they're definitely not in alignment and they're aware of that. But then they get to that mindset block where they say, yeah, I but know. I can't make as much money if I do something that's more in alignment. <gasps> I know I'm you hear you. that, friend. How do you deal I, with so it? So this is great. This is a great question because I'll tell you that at the end of the day, the only people who are unsuccessful in working with anyone, let alone us, when it comes to their career are the ones who don't believe that it's possible yes. or continue to hold on old models of success. Yep. So uh, there's a great example of a guy who we just finally got to graduate from one of our programs because he was just dragging his feet. Like he had all this conviction in the world that he knew his long-term goal. He knew what he wanted to be in the world, but he kept entertaining these other offers and opportunities that weren't even in the realm of that thing. And what was, it was, it was drawing his attention away from the yeah. ultimate goal. So he was really at the end of the day, mentally one foot in and one foot out. 
That's true. And it was always something like, well, yeah, I'll just give you the details and I'm sure it, nobody knows who he is. I'm not going to say who he is because he probably <laughs> wouldn't like that, but um, he really wants to eventually go into international relations oh, and cool. actually have a global, um, you know, sort of impact and feel to his work that is helping people and whatever. So, right. So what's cool is he's actually working in communications right now. Perfect. And so to make that transition, there's, there's some clear steps, right? It, it might be spending some time in the nonprofit world doing communications, right? It might be working for an NGO. It might be, um, you know, there's a couple different things, but you know what it's not working for a consulting firm, mm. but yet, you know, what consult consulting fir firms have, they have cachet. Yep. So it's like, oh, this would look good on my resume or they're going to pay an insane amount or whatever. And you have to keep yourself honest. Like was cachet in your top five core values? Was salary even in your top five core values? For some people, yes. For some people, they're going to have stability or security yep. be a really important part of their value set because they desire it so deeply. But at, at, at what cost? I ask people. It's, yep. it's like, and ultimately, if your mind is not in it, it doesn't matter how many exercises you do. It doesn't matter how much money you spend. It doesn't matter how much time you take. Nothing will change until you alter your mindset in a couple of meaningful ways. One is defining success for yourself, which I know sounds trite, but how many of us are operating off of our parents' definition of success well into our 30s, 40s, 50s? And like, they may not even be around anymore. And you're, and you're still like, but mom would be proud. Like, I'm know. miserable. Like, oh, why? Why do we, we do, do that? I'm telling you guys, the, the, here's the number one key to fixing your mindset. Imagine you're dying. Imagine you're dying and looking back on your life. Would you do anything differently? It, mm. imagine you do nothing differently and you're at the end of your life and you look back, are you going to regret having stayed in that job forever? Are you going to regret not having explored this area of your life? Are you going to feel like you left something on the table because you were too afraid to make a change? That will change your life. That will change your life because on our deathbeds, this is another psychological thing that, that I love. We can only regret two things. And I wrote about this in the book. You can only regret two things. You can regret something you did or something you chose not to do. Mm -hmm. And what's fascinating psychologically is the regrets for things we chose not to do are the things that haunt us the longest and Crazy. the most. And it's because we think it's the opposite, right? We think like, oh, I'm going to go start this business and I'm going to work on it for three years and it's going to be an abject failure and I'm going to file bankruptcy and that's going to be the, <laughs> the ruin of my life, right? That, that's the Downward spiral, goes. man. <laughs> I mean, listen, I've been there. We've all been there, <laughs> we um, right? And so you're like, well, I'm not even going to try it because I'm saving myself all the heartache and the misery. Mm -hmm. And I would really regret leaving this secure job if that were the outcome, right? Here's the deal though. Psychologically, if you have an outcome, your brain can recover from that. It's like, okay, you did this. This was the outcome or result. These were the consequences. We're moving on, right? Mm -hmm. Because we have an end to the story. When you choose not to, you know what your brain does for the rest of your life is look for an end to the story. It goes through the mm. infinite what ifs and shoulda wouldas because 
the brain loves to have a beginning, a middle, and an end. It likes to have closed loops. It doesn't like to have open questions. So interesting. That's why we get haunted by the what ifs of like, what if I had said, I love you? What if I had gone up to that person in the bar, which I do now because I don't want to have any what ifs, you know, like, what if I, (laughs) what if I, 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 what if I had left that horrible job? What if I had left that horrible relationship? What if I had finally had the courage to go say something that I had meant forever? Like what might have happened? Mm -hmm. Those are the deathbed regrets. They're Crazy. not the the chance we took that didn't work out. They're not the, I mean, you, you can look at the research. That That is factual, psychologically driven information. This is not an opinion, right? So when I when I heard that, I was on semester at C. This was after I'd quit my Wall Street job and I was talking to a professor of psychology who coincidentally was also a Yaley, which was kind of this very fun full circle moment. And he was like, his quote that's, that sticks with me to this day is, it is always worth it to take your meaningful shot for the stars. Because mm. if you don't, you will regret it in such a more profound way for longer than if you had tried and failed. And, and I was just like, okay, great. So the easiest way to avoid regrets is to just keep trying. That That's what I took from that. It's like, I have a better chance of living a life that I'm happy with and that does something cool in the world by trying and potentially failing, right? We're not saying you take failure off the table, but can you imagine living your whole life so scared to do anything that at the no. end you regret that you never did anything? What a crappy way to live. Ugh. And so that that's, those are the stakes. That's the difference is like, mm. I know I'm sort of getting soapboxy about this, but those are the real stakes. People think it's like, oh, just leaving this job and being unemployed or having insecurity or whatever. It's your life. Right. It's your life. And and dear God, because we're Americans, we spend a huge, a third. You spend a third of your life sleeping, a third of your life working, and a third of your life doing all the other things you want to do meaning your family and your faith life and blah, 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 right? Like we give so much of our lives to our work for goodness sake. Like why, 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 why do we settle for meh? You know, like Mm -hmm. I think the, the, the most insidious job is the tolerable job. Right. Go on. You know, (laughs) interesting. if, If you're miserable, you start to have motivation to quit, right? If you're miserable, (laughs) you're like, this is clearly unsustainable. You know what's not clearly unsustainable? The job that you're like, meh, it's not bad. It's not great. My boss is okay. Oh my goodness. The benefits are decent. You know, it's it's the most insidious thing in the world because if, if there's no real need to change, if you're not running away from pain or pursuing this really great pleasure, it's comfortable, Right. So what, what's your incentive to leave? There isn't one. There isn't one. Yeah. And it's, it, it's so sad. It's it just, is sad. And then we I think a lot of that is mm-hmm. like from societal pressure too. And that fear of, well, what will my family think? 100%. I just spent four years studying this degree <laughs> and now I'm on the law school track. And now I'm finally to that point where I actually kind of hate law, but I don't want them to think I just wasted all this time. How do you break through that mindset for people that are afraid of other people's opinions? This is so good. It's it, So this is, I will not understate, this is one of the hardest things to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'll give you an example. So when I was thinking about and really, really honestly needing to quit this Wall Street job for a lot of health reasons and then just a lot of like well-being and life reasons, Um, I remember thinking that the hardest part was going to be 
talking to my parents about it because they had done everything for me up to that point. I'm a very aware only child. Like I knew that we could not afford Yale. I knew that we got super lucky with some like financial aid. I knew that they, they downsized their house. Like I knew that they'd made sacrifices. And then I did too. I worked on campus, you know, we did a team effort. (laughs) Um, And so it felt like the transaction then was, okay, well, now I'm going to go into this high paying job and I'm going to earn this back and I'm going to either pay you back or at least I'm going to earn what school costs so that we can be sort of like net at a wash, which is a lot of pressure for like a 22 year old. Oh my God. Yeah. But I, ah, that's just how I've always been. I think it's probably a product of anxiety, but who knows? So, so I remember calling them and what I said was, I, I just need you to listen for five minutes. I just have, I have something to tell you. And it's in total honesty that I'm telling you all these things. And then we can talk about what to do about it and, Mm -hmm. and, and what the best choices are, but I need you to know what's going on. And for five minutes, I just described the absolute misery I was in. I described what had happened over the two and a half years in a nutshell. And I, and I, I finally opened up and explained, not that the job was hard, not that the job was stressful, not that I really didn't know what I was doing, right? Because mm-hmm. remember, I don't have a history or a background or education in this area, but that I was deeply unhappy, right? I finally told them how I was feeling. And of all people, my dad, who literally had like a Yale father of a Yaley sweatshirt and a my daughter <laughs> worked sticker. on Wall Street hat, you know, is oh like goodness. is like baby, like run don't walk out of that Oh, that's so he cool. literally said that. And I'll never forget because we, we lost him a couple of years ago, which was just terrible. But he, he literally said he was the person I thought was going to double down. Like, no, this is, mm-hmm. this is, this is the hard part. You got to get through. You got to pay your dues. All the old school BS, right? Yep. Because he was actually um, much older. He was 40 when I was born. So he was very old school about this kind of stuff. Love that. You suck it up. You do your job. You got it, right? Run, don't walk out of that office was what he said. Oh, and, that's such good advice. Right. I just, I'll never forget that moment where I was like, oh, thank God they hear me. Right. Because you know, how many of us are afraid to tell whether it's a parent or a spouse or whatever, how we're really feeling? Because we're worried that All they're the just, they're not going to care or they just don't, they won't hear us. They're going to hear our excuses. They're going to hear our complaining. They're gonna, right. Yeah. I think the key is, is that the follow-up to run, don't walk out of the office was we just want you to be happy. Mm-hmm. We did not raise you to go to a certain school, achieve at a certain level, work at a certain job. Like we want you to be a happy and thriving adult. So if this mm-hmm. is not it, we will support you in, in whatever way we need to, you know, move here, Super cool. take your time, whatever. But like, don't stay there any longer if that's how you're really feeling. So what I took out of that And what I counsel people to do in these moments is to finally be honest with the most trustworthy party in your life. Like finally don't, don't just complain, right? It's not that it's hard. It's not that your boss sucks. It's not that like the hours are ridiculous. It's how, how is this impacting your soul? How is this impacting your mindset? How has this impacted your, your body and your Mm -hmm. life? And how are you really feeling? Um, because you're right. How many, how many people, I mean, really awesome, hardworking people, children of immigrants, um, you know, first generation college students, um, even people who, 
you know, I, I think we get it most with, or, or ex-military. Like we, there's just so oh, many yeah. groups of people who feel so much pressure to achieve at a certain level and that it's unacceptable if they're to deviate from that route. Um, but at the end of the day, I think the people who raised us and love us want us to be happy. For sure. And if they don't, that's probably a conversation you want to have with them. <laughs> yeah, and, <laughs> and a therapist. And, you know, and a, right, exactly. <laughs> and, and, and ultimately, it's your life. You're going to have to live it. Mm-hmm. So if you know in your heart and your gut, and you've done some of this background work to have some intellectual muscle behind it as well, that what you're, the path you're going down is unsustainable for you, then you're not being a good steward of your own life to just go along with it out of fear, right? Or to just go along with it out of ease, right? If some of us are just like, I'm on the, I call it the career conveyor belt. It's like, I don't have to think about the next step. It's going to happen in X number of time. All I have to do is show up. Like, okay, great. And some people, and, and I don't have anything negative to say about this type of person is some people are fine with that. There, there's a portion of the population that's like, I work to live. My job pays enough to do all the things I want to do in my life. Mm-hmm. I don't hate it. And that's enough for me. Mm-hmm. And if that's you, you're probably not listening to this podcast, right? No, most if that, if, not. Yeah. If, if that's you, that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that if you are happy and you are, and you are on a sustainable path. But for the rest of us who are like, that's not enough you know, I'm a seeker. I'm a, a latent hero. I know I'm made for something more. You know, I, um, this deep dissatisfaction is eating at me. I know that my, my life can be more, I can do more. I can leave a life, whatever it is. Right. Those people for them, it's not enough. Mm -hmm. And, and those are the people that I want to help with whatever I can. And for, for me, it's having a recipe to figure out what your ideal job is because that's the next hurdle. Like once you've gotten here mentally, it's like, okay, what the hell am I going to do? That's what holds most of us back, right? It's just the not knowing, but it's not just the not knowing it's the not knowing how to figure it out. It's and not making a decision, man. That. (laughs) And so that's what we've been talking about so far is, is like, how do I get them through the mental hurdle and make the decision and draw a line in the sand. And, and I think for most of us, It'll never happen, unfortunately. I think a, a lot of people live in fear and a lot of people live um, with, with significantly harmful limiting beliefs and living by other people's expectations. And, and if that's you, then I would, I would encourage you to do the deathbed thing. I would encourage you to think yeah. about regrets closer to the end of your life. I like to picture myself like on a, on a, on a porch with an Afghan with a cat in my lap, like rocking back and forth. And oh, this is like perfect. Life. Yeah. And thinking about like, okay, will I, would I regret like not going to business school? That's on the table for me right now. Mm. Would I regret um, closing a business or opening a business? Would I regret um, writing a book or not writing a book? You know, mm-hmm. like w- whatever it is. And, and that's how I usually think like, you know what? That's something I want to say I did. That's yes. something I want to say I tried. Um, not for anybody else necessarily, but yeah. but for me, because I want to feel good about the choices I made. So, so if that's you, I invite you to do that. If you're awesome. already over that mental hurdle, then it's time to actually find a recipe, you know, a methodology that works for you to help you gain clarity mm-hmm. about what you want to do instead. But unfortunately, I think just... It takes a greater degree of either misery or very clear unsustainability for most people to make a change. You know what I mean? So freaking true. Which is why most of us won't. That's the sad truth. 
That's the set. So you want to hear a good story? This is actually a really um, applicable, I think. So I saw this woman speak a while back and she, it was just to this group of like 200 people who also are professional speakers and authors. Oh, very fun. Whatever, That's right? awesome. So, so she was giving her inside scoop on what she calls contextual models. So she's like, mm. how to take what you teach and turn it into a model so that almost, uh, so that instead of saying, here's what you should eat, you have a food pyramid. Right. Oh, that's so that, cool. Does that makes yep. sense. Yeah. So she was talking through contextual modeling and she was doing some like hot seats. And she's like, listen, I have this great guide. If you fill it out and you email it to me, I'll send you a, a recording of me giving you feedback and I'll give you some advice. Oh, and, and super cool. She charges a lot for services like this. So the whole room was like, you're so generous. This is so wonderful. And so they're standing up and they're clapping or whatever. And they sit down and she's like, do you guys know why I feel totally comfortable doing what I just did? And we're like, cause you're nice. Cause you're generous. She's like, it's because I know that maybe out of the 200 of you, three of you will actually do this. Wild. And we, we were all like, what? And she's like, so many people say they're going to do something. And in the moment they're excited about it. Yep. And then they never make good on that. They never actually put into action what they're taught. They never actually challenge their beliefs. They never actually take the action that they're catalyzed to take in the moment. They get busy or they are afraid or whatever myriad of distractions that we have in life. Right. So she's like, I challenge you. I challenge you to be one of those three people. And I was like, hell yeah. Like, I think that's when I <laughs> you and started clapping. Yeah. So I did it. So here's, you did. Here's, Good the, for you. here's the crazy long, long, like hall story of it is that I did it. And she actually helped me build the contextual model that today was the basis of the book. Get out. That, that's yeah, so cool. That, that picture in there of the Nth degree. Of yeah. She helped me build the very first version. Oh, 1, I have goosebumps. That. That's so cool. Isn't that cool? Yeah. That's amazing. So, I just, I, 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 ugh. if I can be of inspiration, to anybody who's listening to just get off your butt yeah. and like try something, make a choice, make a change, just learn and then do the next thing. Like that's what, that's what we're growing into in my business with my coaches right now is there's only so much clarity we can get somebody to through exercises. The rest of it is testing. You yes. get to go out in the world and like ask good questions and do navigation and, and do research and have informational interviews and conversations, right? Like you have to go put it into practice and test it and see what comes out of those tests and be open to what comes out of those tests, which is the other mental part. Give me an example of a test. Ooh. Okay. We had a girl graduate a few years ago and she knew that she wanted to be of service in the human trafficking industry. That's like Ooh. where her heart was. This mm -hmm. is deep. This is a little heavy, but it, it has a, a, a not so heavy ending. Um, but she also knew that the direct impact on a specific individual who had been trafficked was not the work she wanted to do. So she didn't want to actually like intervene and be a counselor or uh, run a facility or okay. you know, a, a shelter or whatever. She wanted to have a more systemic level impact on that problem. But the issue was that she didn't exactly know where that existed in the world. Because what right. do you think immediately when you think human trafficking? Oh, I can go work at a, sh a women's shelter. Immediately. Um, that, yep. Stuff like that. Nonprofits. Right? Yep. The very direct solving of the problem. So what she started doing was informational interviews and telling people in the industry who she trusted, hey, I, I know that these are the people I want to serve, but I know I don't want to do it this way. 
what are the other options out there? And come to find out there's a ton. There are actually hmm. entire consulting arms within large consulting firms like the Deloitte's and the McKinsey's of the world. I don't know if those two specifically have this function, but some of them do, where they have consultants who actually teach the owners of those shelters and businesses how to run successful nonprofits oh, so that so they can cool. serve more people, right? So they have a much more high-level systemic impact. And then those people often go on into policy and government and policy or whatever, right? Yep, I could see that. So the cool part was that it opened her eyes to this whole new application of that which she wanted to mm. do in the world. That's a test. That's taking something out into the world and putting it out, even though it's not fully baked and seeking more information and seeking more clarification to, to what it is that so you smart. want to do. Yeah. Any tips for getting in the door on informational interviews? Oh, okay. So number one, uh, LinkedIn is probably like the most underutilized tool in this area. You are literally two degrees max away from any person you really want to talk to, unless they're like Oprah, in which case you're going to have to work a little harder. Right. So this was a great piece of advice given to me by another woman who this is coincidentally also a Yaley who had a conversation with last week who runs a very similar business. Um, but her gift is connecting people. She's just like her, her career coaching business is thriving because what she's really good at is then connecting her clients with like CEOs of major, major corporations, mm, got and she has great relationships and whatever. So, so she, so I was talking to her about my mom, who's actually in, in a job search right now as, uh, which is very fascinating to watch. And she was like, listen, have her go to LinkedIn, have her look for the exact job title that she wants to do in the neighborhood, like in the area that you live, where she wants to live and work. And then have her also add Yale as one of the tags to mm. this group. She's like, because if you, if you find an affinity group that you're a part of that loves to help one another, Yaleys love to talk to other Yaleys. It's very insular, right? <laughs> so if, even if she said, hey, I'm a mom of a Yale and I'm actually looking for a job as a technical writer and I see that you went to Yale and you're a technical writer, can I pick your brain? Can I ask you a couple questions? Can I ask you about your job? What, that person's to be like, oh, you're mom of a Yaley? Awesome. You're probably like my mom and this is great. Like, yeah. If you find an in, any in whatsoever, there is nothing too small small to relate to another person with and be able to say, Hey, we have this in common. Might I get one piece of advice from you in this area? And you keep it specific. I, I think that's the other thing too. If you ever, if I ever get an email and I feel bad, if you're listening to this and you've done this to me, if it says pick your brain anywhere in the email, oh, the worst, I'm out. I'm out. <laughs> the worst. You may ask me a specific question. You may ask me about a topic. Right. You may, um, you dive into my expertise on blah, blah, blah. But if you want to pick my brain, I'm not open for business. You know what no. I mean? Um, cause those, I, I, cause I want to help, but if you have limited time and, and frankly, limited capacity, you know, right. like energy in a day, then it's just not a good use of anybody's time. So the other thing that I would recommend is just be very specific about your request. So know why it's that person in particular and know what you're hoping to gain mm. from that conversation. And if you tell them that, you know, I'm much more open to somebody saying, Hey, you know what? I'm starting a similar business to yours. I'm really inspired by what you're doing. Can I book 15 minutes with you to just ask you how you got started and what the first two years were like? Mm. That's a very clear ask, you know? And if you're, I don't know, there's, this happened to me recently, this girl in Ireland and I just have a soft spot for Ireland because I had just visited. So she got lucky. Oh, so cool. Right. But she was like, you know, I'm really inspired by what you put on LinkedIn. I bought your book, like, you know, lay it on with these people, yep. right? Even if they're just a Joe Blow, like, 
I've loved your advice in the past. I'm digging what you're posting. You lay it on yep. and, and then you make the ask. It's like, I'm starting a similar business to yours, but in Ireland, I'm, I'm really just doing the early research to figure out how to get started. Do you think I could have 15 minutes or 20 minutes to just find out what the first two years were like, or ask you what you might've done differently? Because I just want to get off to a good start. And it's like, yeah, that that's a clear ask. That's awesome. It won't take long. I know how it's going to benefit her. Um, you know, I know what she's trying to work on. So in my mind, I'm also thinking, you know, how could I leverage this relationship maybe in the future? Right, exactly. What does she need? Right. So it's, it's specificity. And then also just finding anything you have in common with that person and not being shy about putting it out there. I love that. So if somebody's listening in and they do the life audit, they take the informational yeah. interview piece very seriously. Do you think that they will be in a totally different position in six months? Mm. So if they're like really putting this stuff into practice and their deadline is I got to get out of this job in six months, will that get them to that point? It depends on the level of clarity you have about what you would be doing if you weren't doing what you're doing now. Mm, Interesting. Okay. So some people I find really just need the help of getting over the mental hurdle. And like deep down, they've actually like always wanted to start a women's plus size exercise fashion line or, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, go off and do this job at PwC. And that's their ultimate goal because that's the greatest company in the world, you know, whatever. Some people just know. But that's very few of us. (laughs) I would say the bigger mental hurdle is part of the reason you're staying where you are is that you just don't know what you would do instead. And the more comfortable you get somewhere, the less you start even thinking about what your other options are, what you would do if if you could do anything. So it's 100% feasible to say that if if you have clarity or you have a process to get clarity, like say you work, and this is such a non-subtle pitch, um, if you work with us, let's say, and you go through our 10-week foundational program to get clarity and to be able to articulate your niche and know exactly what you want to do, which is guaranteed at the end of 10 weeks, then all you have left to do is go out and find those jobs after Mm -hmm. that. And six months is absolutely feasible. That's usually the longer end of the timeline that we see our clients taking to land a job um, because they graduate with so much clarity, which is the other issue. If you're open to anything, your job search is going to take a lot longer. Oh, it sounds so hard. Because your 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 limited resource of attention is going to be divided. Yep. If you're open to anything, you're like, oh, I'll do, apply for this job over here and apply for this job over there, and, and that may sound like it's going to give you as many, you know, a multitude of options. But what it really does is divide the energy you have among a lot of things. So you're doing a lot of things poorly instead of one thing well. Mm-hmm. If you actually have a target and a narrowed focus for what you want to do, then you can pursue that excellently as opposed to with 20% of your energy, because with the other 80, you're doing these five other things. Does that make sense? Total sense. I think the clarity piece is so important and so overlooked. A lot of people, we hear that and we're like, yeah, 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 clarity. Sure. (laughs) But it's, it really is But also resume, right? But also job boards. You're like, no, 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 no. You didn't hear me. It's Yeah. (laughs) So what job boards do you use? I'm teasing. Um, But no, you're right. That's exactly what we do. And I think this is such a good conversation because I think this is a good starting point for people. Mm -hmm. And it's a good exercise for all of us to go through to see, are we on the right path or do we maybe need to adjust again? And that happens 
so frequently. So I'm grateful that you shared this. Is there anything we didn't talk about that you think is worth mentioning? Mm-hmm. Aside from your amazing book, which we're going to talk uh, about. Oh, yeah. Unstoppable. I'm really proud of that little book. If it should be. Looking at video, it's right behind me in, in stacks. It's have, so good. I have so many copies. Um, but yeah, I'm really proud of it. It, it was yes. an attempt to take what we teach people in our longer term programs and make it accessible to a wider audience. The book's like so it's pretty cheap. Um, What else? Uh, We talked about regrets and and having no regrets. We talked about mindset. We talked about the very clear and tangible ways to get started. Mm -hmm. I I would just leave leave people with like the, the ultimate question of if not now, when? There's never, and again, this is a bit of cliche advice, but it's kind of sort of one of those eternally true things, which is you're never gonna feel perfectly ready You're never going to feel like you have all the information in the world, like you've done all the research and there will never be a perfect time. Mm. There are better times for sure, but there will never be a perfect time. So the question you want to ask yourself is if not now, do I have a plan for when, and is it real or is it one of those like one day plans, which we all know like one day is, is never, you know, Marie Forleo, who I follow and I've, I've purchased programs from her in the past says, um, uh, if it's not scheduled, it's not real. So So if not now, when, And, and challenge yourself to live a life that you are proud of and live a life that you believe in. And, and if you want that can involve your career. You know, it it can involve the work you do every day. That can be a way you live your purpose. That can be a way you Mm -hmm. unlock and unleash your potential. Um, It's going to take some work. It is not the easiest thing to do in the world. It's certainly not comfortable, but the rewards are, are amazing because you ascend to this new level and you get to be around other people who are doing things like that. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, and, and that's what I, what I lean on when it's hard is, is, even the hard, hard, hard days that I have now aren't as catastrophically miserable as I was on Wall Street because totally. there was just no purpose to it and there was no way out, you know? So at least now it's like, okay, tough days are tough, but what I'm working on matters and I'm awake and I'm aware of my own life and I'm going to do everything I can to make the next best decision. I love that. Tracy, you are such a rock star. There's definitely going to be links in the show notes for all of your information where people can go to get more clarity, walk through these exercises and learn about your sweet programs. But before we officially part ways, are you down for some rapid fire questions? (gasps) Yes. Oh, this is my favorite. Okay. Let's do it. You ready for this? All right. Okay. First question for you. What's one book you find yourself gifting most often? Ooh, okay. Uh, besides mine, um, recently anyway, uh, there's this great coffee table esque book called, um, if life is a game, these are the rules. And it's written by Dr. Sheree Carter Scott. And it was first published as this very short list in the very first version of what, of, um, chicken soup for the soul. And it's tiny. And I care, I almost always carry it around with me. It's, it's super inspirational. I love that. Okay. Are you more of a morning or evening routine person? Evening person, hundred <laughs> percent. What's your evening routine? <laughs> Lately? Um, I really like to watch. So I love red wine. Although for Lent, I gave up drinking alone. 
<laughs> so I can't, so, so I can't drink at my apartment by myself at night, unfortunately. And, and, For sure. And I've been told that cats don't count as not being alone. So, you know, the fact that I have two of those doesn't Who help said me at that? All. I know. Right. So, um, so I usually, well, like a glass of wine, just, I just love wine and red wine specifically. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I like to just watch a great show lately. Actually, my evening routine, in addition to like brushing my teeth and washing my face has been, um, listening to a Bible in a year podcast. I've never read the Bible before. And it's because I think a lot, I just get stuck in the boring parts and they, most people read it cover to cover and that's kind of painful. So I found this great podcast with this amazing priest that I follow and watch his masses. And, um, so I listen to that before I go to bed. Um, or maybe I've been trying to read more. I don't know. I've, this is a hard question because I'm not a routine person, (laughs) but I know I need more of it. So I'm working Mm -hmm. on a little bit of a morning routine and, and certainly, um, I just thrive better at night. I have more energy at night. That's awesome. I love that. Okay. Next question for you. Well, we're going to pretend it's post COVID. Where's one location you're dying to travel to? Rome. It's my favorite place in the world. I've been there a handful of times. I actually got to live there one summer in college. It was like five or six week program, but we like had an apartment cooked our own food. Like we lived in the city. Um, if I could go anywhere first, that would be the first place I would go back to, to just get like a breath of fresh air and a really great glass of wine and amazing, you know, prosciutto and melon and some mozzarella and bread and just like, Oh yeah. Word to that friend. I'm the same way. That's a great city. It's beautiful. Yeah. I love it so much. I miss it. And I I think it it may be in a later life, like, like a couple of years from now, maybe a lot of years from now, I'll be one of those little old ladies, like living in Italy, you know, like sweeping my little porch and gossiping all day and drinking red wine and being just super happy. That'll be where I have my cat and my Afghan and my, my <laughs> there it is chair. full circle. <laughs> <laughs> That's so good. All right. Last question for you. In your opinion, what is the secret to financial success? I think it's knowing what you need to live, knowing what you need financially to live a full life and living within your means at the same time. So, so I try to find ways to cheaply get more of what I would ideally have while growing into a lifestyle, meaning saving money and making investments in the business and things like that, that will eventually lead to a more, a a larger sort of manifestation of that thing, if that makes sense. So, you know, I don't own a home yet but I have this great cozy apartment that I've outfitted well and it feels homey. So there, so that scratches that itch for now. And I get to save to eventually one day have that sort of home base that feels just as homey, but is actually my home. <laughs> if that makes Your sense. Rome home. I love this. Yeah. Oh, the Rome, oh, the Rome home. That's what we're going to call it. That's absolutely what we're going to call it. I love it. I love it. Thank you so much for your time. It was so fun to learn from you and just to hear some of your advice. I know it was super helpful no matter where you're at. I know this advice is very applicable to everybody. So I'm grateful you took the time to share with us. Mm, thanks, Whitney. You're doing such a great service for so many people. And, and if this can reach you know a handful of them where they are, if you're, if you're hating your job, if you're tolerating your job and you need a kick in the butt, you know, I, I, I've been where you are and I hope this is inspiring and not like <laughs> condemning, you know what I mean? No, I um, cause there, there's just so much juice out there in the world. There's so many great experiences you could be having and so many opportunities that it's a shame that a lot of people 
feel like they can't access, you know, those, Mm -hmm. those opportunities or those areas because they're not allowed or they don't have permission or other people's expectations. So if I can change a couple minds, you know, I feel really good about that. Aw, I'm sure you will too. Thank you again (laughs) so much for your time. You're so welcome. I'd love to come back. We'll have to have another Anytime. chat sometime. Round two. Let's do it, friend, with red wine. In Rome. Yeah. It'll- <laughs> in Rome. Yeah. Let's just go there. I mean, what are we doing here? God, seriously. It's amazing. Gotta live somewhere, but maybe one day. I know. <laughs> I love it. We'll chat soon. All right. Take care. All right. What'd you think of this episode? I love the conversation with Tracy. I thought it was so interesting. The part that I really took out of all of this is how it's so critical that we don't get into that funk where we're in a tolerable job. The one where it's like, we don't hate it, but we don't quite love it. That is such an interesting point. That was something that I appreciated the most from this entire conversation, but I'd love to hear from you. Leave me a comment on Instagram and just let me know what were your takeaways. Bonus points if you take a screenshot and tag me on it to let me know that you're listening in. I'm at Whitney underscore Hanson underscore co. I would love to connect with you, see what you're up to and just say hi. Always is so much fun. All right. That's it for today. Thank you so much for tuning in. I will see you on Friday for five tip Friday or next week for another episode of the money nerds podcast. Bye. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and goals, and the Wondersuite tools will automatically lay out your WordPress website or store in minutes. Seriously. From there, you can customize your design, pick your brand colors and add blocks, no custom theme or coding required. You'll get content suggestions that you can keep or revise. And with Yoast SEO built in, we automatically help you get found in search engines. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins to an AI-powered help bot, our built-in tools make WordPress wonderful for everyone. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. That's bluehost.com slash wondersuite.